Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I want to read to you this morning from John 21, a passage of Scripture many of us will know well. I'm going to read up to verse 14, so just go on a journey with me as we read. It should be up on the screen. It says this, Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. And the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Let me just stop there for a moment. We've got Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee cooking over a charcoal fire. And the only other time, and this is a side note, the only other time we read in the New Testament about a charcoal fire was the night that Peter denied Jesus. No other time. And so we have a moment right now where Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee cooking breakfast for the disciples over a charcoal fire and calling the disciples to come and be with him. I don't know if you sense that, but God has an invitation this morning for there to be healing, restoration, brought back to relationships with God. You see, Peter denied Jesus over a charcoal fire, yet Jesus stands over a charcoal fire and says, come eat with me. Come back to the place where you know who I am and you're reconciled to be with me. So he's cooking breakfast over a charcoal fire and it goes on in verse 11, Sorry, verse 10 to say, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And Jesus said, so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore and there were 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They'd done that before. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Jesus is raised from the dead and twice already he's appeared before the disciples. Yet still, they don't recognise who he is. Yet still, they don't recognise his voice. And it's only after a miracle happens and the nets were filled that they recognised that they were in the midst of Jesus. Do you know, um, a year ago, and, and many I've, I've said this a little few times, but a year ago I got the opportunity with a, a group from church here to go on a tour of Israel. We landed in Israel one day before they closed down all tour groups and we got home from Israel literally one day before the Prime Minister said, that's it, no more international travel and put a ban on all of that. So I feel like I was incredibly blessed. But when I read the Bible now, 
I have this deeper understanding and deeper revelation of perhaps, just perhaps, what it could have been like. And we got to go on the Sea of Galilee on our second morning in Israel and it was something to behold. And you know, every morning, every night, we watched sunrises, we watched sunsets, we did our best to eat the most that we could out of Israel and everything that it had for each one of us because we were never sure when we'd get back. And so I just, for your amusement and probably mine, here's a selfie video I took on the Sea of Galilee. Translation, it's very windy, but awesome. (laughs) You know, you stand in that place and you stand in awe because you think this, we're looking out over the, from the boat over to the shore and we're thinking, this is the place. This is the place where Jesus calmed the storm. This is the place where Jesus appeared before the disciples and called out for them to walk on water, come to him. And here we have a story in the Bible of a place where Jesus appears again. It's a place where Jesus was often. It's a place that the disciples knew well. It's a place they were probably very familiar with. They would have fished on the Sea of Galilee before they were called by Jesus to become fishers of men rather than fishers of fish. They would have fished on that sea a lot. They would have known the best time of day. They would have known the best places to go. They would have known how to go about it. They knew the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hand. Yet so easily, so easily, after Jesus had left, He's been resurrected. They've lost hope. They've lost sight of Jesus. And so easily they go back to the place that they knew and were comfortable and familiar with, despite the fact that Jesus had called them away from that. And see, I believe that there are three things we can take from this passage of Scripture, three things that the disciples return to that often if we look at ourselves, we'll realise that we have a habit of doing that same thing. And I wanna go through those quickly with you today. But the first one is this, the disciples return to their old deeds. Let me read to you from Matthew 4. It says this, starting in verse 18. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. You know, I love the fact that they weren't in a camp chair, they were in a boat, but I love the fact that they're doing what they know how to do. They're fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They're doing what they've probably done for many, many years, providing for their family, selling the fish to earn money. And all of a sudden, a man called Jesus interrupts their moment and calls out to them and says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men instead of fishers of fish. In other words, come walk the road with me because I'm gonna show you what I've really called you to do. And without anything much, they put down what they had in their hands, they left everything that they knew that was comfortable, familiar, secure, everything that they had, and they followed this man called Jesus They didn't wait for 28 doves to appear in the sky. 
They didn't wait for a flashing light. They didn't wait for 68 confirmations of what Jesus was saying. They simply heard the word of the Lord. They didn't do an Instagram poll that we all do. I've never done one. I wouldn't know how to do it. I'd have to get my daughter to set it up for me. And she'd roll her eyes and say, Mum, no. But they didn't need to do any of that. They literally were in the presence of Jesus. He spoke and they followed. Yet here in John 21, they're back there. They're back in the boat in the middle of the night, putting their fish in the water and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Now, I don't know about for you, but too often in my life, and I dare say many of us do this, we go back to what we know is familiar. We have a moment with God and then that moment's gone and things become a little bit tricky and things become a little bit hard. You see, the disciples had walked with Jesus for a very long time and now he's been put on a cross, he's died. Even though he's been resurrected, they've lost hope. They've lost hope of what their future is gonna look like and so they revert back to what they knew how to do. They return to their old deeds. And it's not a bad thing to go back to by any means. And some of the things we revert back to after we've had a mountaintop experience or we've had a moment where God's spoken to us, they're not necessarily bad things. And and I'm not suggesting to you that you give up everything that you do. What I'm suggesting right here is, do you know what God's asking you to do? And is that the thing that you're doing? Because we go back to the things that are most common. We go back to the things that are most comfortable. We go back to those things that keep us distracted from actually stepping out and hearing the voice of the Lord and doing as He's asked us to do. What has He asked you to do? Do you know, too often when I talk to people as a pastor, people come and say, well, I'd like, I'd like your um, advice. I'm like, okay, sure. Been around a little while. I've lived a few years of my life. Got maybe a little bit of wisdom to offer some people. But the funny thing is, is oftentimes by the time that person gets, comes to you and says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'd like some advice, it's too late for your advice. Because what they say to you is, is well, God told me to do this. Uh, okay. So you want me to say God didn't say that or you want me just to agree with what God said you to do, told you to do? Really what they're saying is this is what God's told me to do and so I'm gonna go do it just letting you know. And just for free, side note, be super careful what you say God said and you're using his, he said, as a stamp of spiritual authority because it's actually what you want to do. This is what I know. When I meet with people and they're having that conversation with me, perhaps they're looking at the pros and cons and all those things are good to look at when you're making decisions in life. But I also always say, what's God saying? And oftentimes people say, I actually don't know, Pastor Alice. I don't know what God's saying in this situation. I'm like, okay, well, perhaps... He's just saying, wait. Perhaps he's just saying, wait. It's not a no, it's not a yes. Maybe it's just wait and hear what he has to say. The problem is, 
we rush and we go back. We've added up, the, added up the pros and the cons and so we race to get back over here because this is what we think God's telling us to do. Truth is, I say to people, what did God, when did God last speak to you? Oh, maybe two or three years ago. Okay, great, what did he say to you? He said to do this, do this. And is that what you're doing right now? Yep, but that's not what you're gonna continue doing. No, no, no. Well, you know what I think? If God hasn't, you haven't heard God speak to you about this next situation, you gotta go back to the last thing he said to you and you gotta keep doing what he told you to do because this is what I know about God. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Thing is, we get moved by the waves and the winds of life and we change our mind every five minutes and we move on from that thing to that thing to that thing to that thing, that person to that person, that relationship to that relationship, that job to that job. The truth is, that's not God. That's us. That's us doing this. That's us going back to fishing. That's us unsure of what God's actually speaking to into our life. Don't go back if God hasn't told you to go back and don't step forward if God hasn't told you to step forward. Oh. Don't go back to your old deeds. Don't go back to your old deeds. And the second thing that they do is they do this. They return to their old difficulties. Luke 5 verse 5 says this, and Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night <coughs> and took nothing or caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. We toiled all night and took nothing. And so they're back here. Back in Luke 5, they toiled all night. And now we're in John 21 and they're toiling all night. They've decided to go back fishing. And so they put their nets out of the side of the boat and they wait and they wait and they wait and there's not much happening. Pretty frustrating. I reckon that's mostly how fishing goes. It's a lot of waiting. It's a lot of boredom. Maybe I've just fished with the wrong people. But they've gone back to this place. And here we see in John 29, Jesus is on the scene and he says, have you caught anything? And what do they say? They say, no. They're back at this same place where they're having the same difficulties. Their nets are still empty. Friends, I wanna say to you this morning, if you feel like your nets are empty, if you're feeling empty in life, God is here and He wants to fill your nets to overflowing. If we read on in that Scripture, it says He filled the net with 153 fish because we were never meant to live an empty life. The Word of God tells us that we were meant to live life and life to, a, to the fullest or life in abundance. So wherever you find yourself today, if life just feels a little bit empty, if you're just doing the same old, same old and it feels a little bit empty, I wanna ask you today, did God tell you to do that? Because He wants to fill your net. He wants to fill your net to overflowing. He wants to fill your net to overflowing. John 10.10 10 says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with going fishing if that's what God's told you to do. But see, back in Matthew 4, Jesus appeared before the disciples and said, come follow me. I'm gonna make you fishes of people, not fishes of fish. And they obeyed and they followed. And now they've gone back. Life's got a little bit misty. Life's got a little bit hard. 
Life's got a little bit tricky. Life, they've, maybe they've lost sight of who God is and what he can do. They're not recognising his voice. And so they've gone back to what they know is comfortable, to what they know is secure, but it's not what God's asked them to do. And the next thing they do is they return to the old distance. Let me explain this one. John 21 verse four says this. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Do you know, I find this fascinating. Jesus is present. Jesus is over here. Yet the disciples haven't perceived that Jesus is close. He's present, but he hasn't been perceived. Do you know, I wonder, this, I stood in worship this morning. Hello. I stood in worship this morning and I perceived that I was in the presence of Jesus. I could sense that I was in the presence of God. I could sense that he was all around me. And I'm wondering, did you feel the same thing? Or were you like, that's, that's just Sheena and Phil? We were in the presence of Jesus as we worshipped him, as we lifted up his name. Jesus is present, but have we perceived that he's with him, with us? And even when Jesus calls out to them, they still don't even recognise that it's Jesus. You know, they've spent years walking the earth with Jesus. They've spent years listening to him talk to people. They've spent years listening to his stories as he recounts things, as he teaches them in parables. He's spent years listening to him pray for people. They've spent years being with Jesus. Yet in this one moment, they don't recognise it's him and they don't recognise his voice. There's a distance right there. And maybe in life, recognising Jesus has become a little bit tricky, a little bit hard. Maybe in life, recognising even the voice of God has become hard for you to do. Well, I wanna tell you another plug for tonight. When you get in the gathering of other people, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, two or more are gathered. When you get in the gathering of people, let me tell you, you will hear the voice of God. I hear the voice of God when I'm at home on my own, when I'm driving in my car, but when I get in the corporate gathering, when I stand with other believers, when I stand in His presence and I can feel a lift in the atmosphere, let me tell you, you will sense God speaking to you. You will sense God moving in your life. Yet too often we come in, we've done our thing and now we go back out. Do you know, I said this in the first service, Half the reason I come to church, you're gonna laugh, but, well, I'm on staff, so I have to, but the other half of the reason that I come to church every single week is because I've got two kids that need to know God, that need to be around other believers, that need to be in His presence, that need to be in programs, in youth group, in kids' ministry, discovering who God is. I need my kids to be in this atmosphere because every other day of the week, they go out into other atmospheres that aren't so godly and so on. When it gets to the weekend, I'm getting my kids into as much of the presence of God I can because it's good for them. Can I say, parents, you come into church is all about the next generation. It's all about what's getting instilled in them from a very young age. I've got a little boy 
who loves to come to the house of God. Seven years old. Every Sunday morning, he's up, quarter to seven, 10 to seven. Comes and finds me wherever I am in the house. Sometimes he looks at me and I'm fully dressed, ready to go, but I'm not leaving just yet. And it's like his little face just dissolves. And he's like, is it too late for me to come? I'm like, no, sweetheart, you've got another 20 minutes. It's okay, get dressed. You can have breakfast in the car. Because he wants to run to the house of God. In fact, funny story, he's playing football this season and next weekend is his first game. Yesterday he had his little carnival. He's playing for under sevens and played three games and the coach called them together at the end and given them the pep talk. I don't know what they say to them, but you know, they're seven. You did good, kids. Three words, remember? The space, call out your name. Like, I'm like, it's just all going over the head. But anyway, it was great. But it gets to the end of the thing and the coach is giving them the details for next week's game because next week's his first game. And next week's game happens to be on a Sunday. Now he's got some games on Friday and he's got some games on Sunday. No need to send emails. Our family still loves Jesus. And we have a nine o'clock, an 11 o'clock and a 5 p.m. service. So there are many options. And the truth is my little boy will play very early in the morning and you'll see him running through the doors with his footy boots on. So give him a high five. But they're standing in the circle with the coach. He says, kids, you got your next game next Sunday on Anzac Day. And he heard Sunday. He's like, I've got church. <laughs> you, you just gotta keep bringing them to the house of God. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now, he's still gonna play footy, but that doesn't mean we're backslidden. That doesn't mean God's still not on the throne in our home. It just means he can do everything. And he will. And he'll run in here with his footy boots, probably his Guernsey on, filled with dirt and dust, because he wants to be here. Parents, that, this is not even in my message, but parents, get your kids in the house of God. Get them around other good people. Get them here, run here. Return to old distance. Where was I going with that? Who knows? You know, Jesus is over here. He's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples are away off on the Sea of Galilee and maybe it's a little bit misty. Maybe there's a bit of a storm. And they perceive that someone is there, but they don't know who it is. And they call out, Jesus calls out, have you caught any fish? And they're like, no. And so even now, even when Jesus calls out, even when Jesus uses his voice, they don't even recognise him in that moment. It's not till they do what Jesus says. Jesus says to them, put your net on the other side. And so they grab their net and they slip it onto the other side and then a great catch comes. 153 fish, simply by doing what God says. Their nets went from empty to full because they obeyed what God asked them to do. And it's in that moment that we read in that scripture that the disciple that Jesus loves says to them, it's the Lord. And I love Peter's response. And this should be our response when it comes to coming into the presence of God. It says what Peter did was he put on his tunic because he'd taken off his clothes for fishing. Now that doesn't mean he was naked. That just means he stripped down to whatever they wore underneath their tunic. But as a sign of reverence for recognising that this was Jesus over here, he puts on his tunic 
He goes from being fisherman to disciple outfit. And he jumps into the water to swim to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, that's a bit backwards. You don't put your clothes on to swim in the water. You take your clothes off to swim in the water. But Simon Peter is so aware that I'm in the presence of Jesus. It's the Lord. And so he dresses himself with honour and he races through the water to be with Jesus. Now, you've got to understand in Bible times, it was very undignified for people to race around. It was undignified for people to be in a hurry. What it symbolised was that your life is not in order. And you go to Israel, the, the full-on Jews with all the headwear and all that, they're not racing anywhere. They're meandering through the streets, stopping to read the Torah, stopping to have a cup of coffee, whatever they do. They're not racing around anywhere because it was all about what it looked like. And if a man or a woman was racing around anywhere, it looked like their life was not in order. But we've got Simon Peter over here who says, I don't care what people think. I don't care what I look like. I need to get to be with Jesus. I need to get to the other side of the shore so that I can be where Jesus is. And you'll read the story of the other disciples. What did they do? They pulled the nets in and they rowed their boat ashore. Do you know there's another story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. Let me read to you verse 20. It says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. An older man, he shouldn't have been running. It signifies life's not good. Everything's in chaos in your life. Yet he sees his son who's been gone for so long. And what does he do? He's moved by compassion and he runs to be with his son. You need to know today, your Father God in heaven sees you today wherever you are and he's running to you. He's running to you. And I wonder if that's our response. Peter wanted to be with Jesus. The the father in the prodigal son story wanted to be with his son. And really, that's the only reasonable response there could be. And if the team could come. Getting from here to there was so important to him that he dropped everything and he raced to be over here with Jesus, who was once again inviting him back into a place of restoration, a place of healing, a place of wholeness, And he was inviting him to come and have breakfast. And you know what I love about this story is the disciples get to the shore and he says, come and eat, come and eat. And the disciples come and eat what Jesus has already prepared for them, the fish and the bread that are already there. He didn't say, hey, grab what you've got over there. You need to bring that over here. I'll cook it up and then I'll serve you. See, because the truth is Jesus has already got what you need. Jesus has already got more than enough. He didn't need what they'd caught. He didn't need their talent. He didn't need their ability. He just said, come and be with me. And maybe that's a word for some of us this morning. See, we've got our net. And maybe for some of us, that net's empty. Well, Jesus says, just come. Come with an empty net. Because I don't need what you've got. I simply just need you. Or maybe some of us are like, well, I've worked hard, I've toiled, I've done so much. I've caught the 153 fish. I'm gonna bring my net, Jesus, here, do you want it? And Jesus says, I don't need it. I don't actually need it. 
I just need you to come. I just need you to come. I just need you to come and be with me. Come and have breakfast with me because what I have is more than enough. Come with your lack, come with your plenty. But today you need to know, no matter how you find yourself, whether you feel like you're empty or whether you feel like you've got everything in order, you need to know this today. God's inviting you back to restoration, back to dedicating your life back to Him, back to standing in a moment and saying, God, I've missed it sometimes. Life has got a little bit misty. Life has got a little bit hazy. And I have probably gone back to some of the things that I am so used to doing, some of the things that I find comfort in, some of the things that I know are easy, some of the people that keep me in a safe place. But God's saying, come, 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 come and have breakfast with me. Leave what you're doing and come and have breakfast with me. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey 
you're following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.